0: We're always aware that the readings that the Lord gives us each day for this during this time of Advent or in any other day is always the Word of God is addressed to us so they may grow in faith, that we may be more convinced who He is, because the knowledge of Scripture is also the knowledge of Christ, His knowledge of God's plan of salvation for us. So today, When you look at the reading from the prophet Isaiah, what do we hear right from the beginning? It seems like a contradiction, but it says, "'Raise a glad cry, you barren who did not bear. "'Break forth in jubilant song, you who are not in labor.'" Why? It seems a contradiction. It was not a blessing for someone who was not able to have children. It was considered something like a curse. And yet, the Word of God comes to us, and what does the Lord say to us? Raise a glad, a glad cry, you barren who are not able to, to have children. Why? Because God hears the cry of the poor. God, God hears the cry of those who, who are broken, who are brokenhearted, those who are in any way in need. God hears it. God hears them, and so that's why the scripture continues and it says, "For more numerous are the children of the deserted wife than children of her who has husband." Once again, the Lord hears the cry of the poor. I remember in Washington, you see, there was a lady who was rather poor, and she would bring all her children to mass, and. Uh, She'll find a corner for them, because they were a little different different uh, ages. And she'll be there. And they were kind of quiet. I was always surprised by how quiet they were. And so she would create this place for them and they would play there in the back. And um and once one day I said to her, because I noticed that she's coming very frequently, especially we had these special masses. And and um and and she said, I asked her about her children, and she says, I com- com- commented on her children, how well-behaved they are in the back of the church. And and she said, you know, she said, I have to tell you a story. She says, my husband abandoned me, and I had no choice but to ask the Lord Jesus to be my spouse. And she says, I do everything for him, and I'm asking him to take care of these children as my spouse and their father. And she kept on telling me, she said, you know, my husband was not worthy to be a father of these children, so I had to ask Jesus to take care of them. And he says, and he's taking care of them. And further she said, see how quiet they are, because I tell him, you take care of them (laughs) during Mass, because I want to be there at Mass, I want to pay attention to the Eucharist. So so they were, they, were, they were there, but there's more to it. I met her ten or twelve years later, and I ran into her completely out of out of blue. I did not expect to see her, but I did. And I said, "So how are you doing?" And she said, "My husband is still my Jesus is still my husband, and I was able to take care of all children, some already in college, all went to Catholic schools. I didn't have resources for any one of them. And the, the Lord provided, Jesus was the one who made sure that the schools would accept them and would take care of them. So a couple of them are in college, and he says, oh, there's one already kind of uh, graduating. We soon will be graduating from college, from high school. But at any rate, what I wanted to say is this. When we read from the book of Isaiah, If someone like Book of Isaiah, which Jesus, the Lord speaks to us, he says, more numerous are children of the deserted wife than the children who has husband. Or perhaps, you know, perhaps even more, that the Lord will take care of us. And this is why he says, enlarge the space of your tent. Spread out your tent, close us prayingly. Make room here. For whom? For others. Make room here for people who will embrace God, as their Redeemer, our Savior, embrace it. Because you will spread out, fear not, you shall not be put to shame. You need not blush, for you shall not be disgraced. The shame of your youth, you shall forget. The reproach of your widowhood, no longer remember. Why again? Because He who has become your husband is your Maker, His name is the Lord of hosts. He, the Redeemer, is the Holy One of Israel. He's the God of all the earth. These are the words which the Lord wants to, wants us to hear, that He is there, He will be there. The difficulty of today, in our world today, is that people are not really aware of God's providential care, God's providence. Even even our president, first president of our nation, George Washington, believed in God's providence. So many things took place, and he relied on God's providence. What is God's providence? God will provide, but God is present. God is someone who is always with us. But today, today's people, uh, because of the powerful secularism, which is being forced upon everyone from from children on, and our culture, you know, is trying to remove God from every place, and so we're not aware. So therefore, we can't tap. On the resources that we have, the spiritual resources that we have, that God wants to provide, because He hears us, he hears the cry of the poor. He hears us to take care of, of those who entrust themselves, or this woman who took Jesus as her husband, to take care of her children, because she had no other means, no other resources. And so, but but there's more here. The Lord says, "Don't be afraid." When you look at your past, there might be a lot of junk in your past—sins of your youth, things that we have done, which we should we should not have done. And he says, God will remove them because He's the Lord; He's the one who has pity on us, uh, who will, who um, even though we have forsaken Him, and it seems like God seems to have pulled away from us, but He has not; He'll always be there because even in outbursts of wrath, because of our consequences of sin, I hid my face from you, but with enduring love I take pity on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I take pity on you, just like in the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah shall never again deluge the earth. So I have sworn not to to be angry with you or to rebuke you, And then finally, though the mountains leave their place and hills should be shaken, my love shall never leave you, nor my covenant of peace be ever shaken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. What a beautiful words that we hear today of that God's everlasting love for us and that no matter what we have done, he will always be there for us. And the second way, second thing today from our readings is what we hear from the gospel according to St. Luke. And, and it's the, uh, the story of St. John the Baptist. As you know, yesterday's reading from John the Baptist, there were uh, those from authority from, from uh, Jerusalem who sent to John. And they asked him, are you the one who is to come? Are you the one who is the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And John the Baptist gives witness that he's only the voice crying out, prepare the way for the Lord, saying that he's not the Messiah. And so Jesus continues by saying, when the messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. And so Jesus is giving the witness to, to John. And he asked the same question three times. Why, why are you going there? Why are you going? Why do you want to see Baptist? Why? Are you going there... Just to see, uh, and made a, the Lord kind of made a very interesting remark: a reed swayed by the wind. You're going to see something unimportant. Are you seeing? Why are you going there? Why do you go out? Why did you go out to see? You wanted to see someone who's dressed in fine garments. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it'd be beautiful, beautiful garments. You want to see someone? He says, no. Quite the contrary. You know, he's not there. If you wish to go and seek beautiful garments and go and visit, or at least watch, in today's language, watch the royal weddings or something, you know, where all these people are nicely dressed and decorated and all these things. He says, no, no. Why did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, and I tell you, more than a prophet, because this is the one the Scripture says, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. So, so, as the, as the messenger, but there's something that even of greater importance here not only John and his witness, but what the Lord says to us, even though, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. And this is the challenge to us, Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I know that we have reflected previously on this on this statement, this witness that Jesus gives. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Who are those in the kingdom of God? All those who are baptized. All of us. But when you look at ourselves, how is it possible? We see John, this extraordinary man who lived in the desert, wore garments made of, of leather, and and fed on whatever was available in the desert. Man of penance, of conversion, of of this incredible power that God had within him to proclaim this truth, to be the one, the messenger, before the coming of, of the Lord himself. And yet the Lord says about us, we're greater than he. How is it possible? I, that's one of those things that, We can't fully grasp because we see our sinfulness. We see our limitations. We see our lack of courage. We see all kinds of things which seem to drag us down. And how is it possible that we are greater? Because we have been embraced by God. We have been incorporated into his body, mystical body. Unworthy as we are. And yet this is the call that God gave us. This is what's so extraordinary we are able to receive the Eucharist that John never did. We're able to receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit through the sacrament of confirmation. John did not receive that. John received extraordinary gifts, yes, but when it comes to those things that we receive, and this is why it's so painful for us to see that how many people do not appreciate the Eucharist. They do not appreciate His Word. They do not appreciate There's something always more important. There's not enough time. And this is why we have to really, really pray for one another that we that we are that we'll be attentive, that we'll see the reality of God around us and the promises the Lord has given to us. They're extraordinary promises. And so we feel like, well, we're only very few. And there's so many people out there. We don't have the means of, you know, the Facebook means perhaps not to the same degree. But we do. We do have abilities. We do have abilities before us. We can do many things. So there's that invitation to do more because we want to make sure that people will be aware of his presence. And finally, in the, the world which was Catholic, Catholic world, we hear bells, church bells, at 6 a.m. at noon. We hear the bells at 12, uh, at 6 p.m. Why would they be ringing? They were ringing because they were an invitation to pray the angels, to pray the angels. And why would we be praying the angels? So that we may be aware of something so great that God has come into this world. They come, God has come. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, she conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel declared, which means there's a divine reality here. The church knew. God knows that people have to work, have to work hard. But at least three times a day, even if they did not pray formally, even if they didn't do much more, they at least would take this moment at 6 a.m. and at noon, and at 6 p.m. to remember the promise that God has made, the promise to give us a Redeemer, the promise to give us salvation and glory. So the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then we continue, and then we say, we ask Our Lady to help us, to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you, and He's with us. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. We ask her to pray for us. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. It's bringing the divine, bringing the divinity to to the level of our awareness, bringing the plan of God to us. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. I am your servant, whatever you wish, whatever you desire. What a teaching for us to be like Mary, to say, yes, you know, behold, we are all handmaids, we're all servants. Let it be done to me according to your word. And not only that, but then the most powerful element of it all, and the word became flesh, and the word became one of us. and The word became incarnate. The Word became part of our human existence. God himself became one of us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt dwelt among us who dwells among us. What What a beautiful, beautiful, powerful prayer three times a day to be mindful of the existence of God, to be mindful of the plan of his salvation, to be mindful of the fact that God has entered this world, became us, so that we may become God. Short prayer like that. And and at the end, we pray. What do we pray? Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, so that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ, that we may be made worthy of what? Salvation. That we may be made worthy of becoming God-like to be divinized, that we may be made worthy to be sons and daughters of God. What what, what a beautiful prayer. Is it possible for us to miss the opportunity that is given to us? And even if people do not remember the, the, the following, the prayer, pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts. So we're asking the Lord, give us this grace. Give us grace that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, your son, was made known by the message of an angel, that by his passion and cross we may be brought to the resurrection. It is a beautiful concluding prayer, but even if we do not remember to pray the last prayer, we can still pray the first three. And it's that's something. So what is the call today for us? To call this, that we would have this grace to be more and more aware of God's presence among us, to be more and more aware of his life, of his glory, everything that he's giving us, be aware of his presence. There was a night rabbi who said, you know, the world today needs this awareness, continuous awareness of God because we have this powerful cultural and media, you know, means of communication that want to get rid of that awareness. That we don't, we're supposed to be preoccupied even for Christmas because of shopping. Again, we're not exactly aware of God. Advent means he is coming. He's coming. The word Advent is hiding the reality, even the word Advent. But it basically means that he is coming. Adventus. He's coming in Latin because He wants to be with us. Maybe then through this Eucharistic celebration and, and every moment, and especially that we may have the grace of God to grow closer to Him and, and that we be more and more aware of His presence every moment of our life or as much as possible, whether we drive or where we work or whether we cook or whether we eat, saying grace or you know, preparing food or or whether we, you know, even take a shower. Can it be a moment of grace and thanking God for the gift of water and warm water and whatever it may be, all the things that we have. Everything can bring us to the awareness of God, even the washing machine. God is giving us the opportunity. We don't have to do it in a river someplace beating with a stick, which some people have to do because they have no way. The type of appreciation, continuous appreciation, is what makes us more and more aware of that presence and love. And that special plan that he has for us to be with him in glory forever.
1: Are you a Marian Helper?